Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Two Peter three, please. Two Peter three. Uh, going to read verse eight and nine, and it says, "But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years." Are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come into repentance. God's timing is working for everybody's good. Sometimes a hard thing to understand. Uh, The problem in life is no one's clock or situation has usually another one's time frame in mind. Our clock in our life does not always tick to someone else's time frame. Uh, We don't know that someone's urgent is another one's nightmare. We don't always comprehend that our need for things to slow down is another's need to speed up. We used to, in church and If you have a big event and you're Scottish, you're definitely going to pray for weather at some point. And I've never understood praying for weather. We pray pray for sunshine today, God. What about the farmer that's praying for rain? Who wins? Who who wins? The person that prays the hardest? (laughs) Who wins that day? When, When we're praying for something to slow down and somebody's praying for something to speed up, Who wins? The person who prays harder? Is it the more spiritual giant? The one that God has more favour in? In Pentecostal church over the years, and I'm not saying all Pentecostal Pentecostal church, we were always praying for things. I'm not saying we shouldn't be praying for things. But somebody may be praying for the total opposite. What about the child who's allergic to sunshine? Whose parents are praying when they're taking their child out that it's not too sunny because it affects their skin. But then there's somebody praying for sunshine because they've they've hired a hot tub for the weekend. Who wins? Who wins that stuff? Uh, I changed the title. I spoke about this last night in Dundee, but because I want to add something to it, uh, I've changed the title of the name. Last night I called it Time Sink Battle. This, This morning I'm calling it Heart sink battle. Uh, as I was studying for a different message uh, and a different concept, I'd been speaking to someone this week uh, about the story of Lazarus, and I'll get into it in a minute. Uh, I kept stopping at the same thing, and I kept spotting something in the story of Lazarus. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you will have heard one, if not loads, of messages on Lazarus being rose for the dead. I think as communicators, what we are always looking for is new angles to communicate truths. Uh, I'm not saying that it's wrong to just go down the same road, but to keep things fresh, it's always good to look for new angles and things. And, uh, and, I, and I kept spotting this as I was, I was studying about Lazarus, about the death clothes and removing the death clothes, uh, if you know the scripture. Uh, 
I kept spotting something that was like this serendipitous moment. Do you know what serendipitous means? Serendipitous means that you stumble across something that you weren't looking for that's better than what you were looking for. You're doing it. That you actually find something that was actually better than what you were looking for. And uh, I spotted something better while I was looking for something else. And in the story in, in John 11, as Jesus talks about raising Lazarus from the dead, and as I was studying this story, I realized how much the story talks about timing and aligning and about how everyone's timing and life was always beaten to their own tune and their own need and their own problem. Uh, nothing they are thinking about in this, the whole of chapter 11 of, uh, of, of John, nothing that anyone is thinking about or worrying about or upsetting over is beyond what's going on in them and their own problem and their own pain. It's all about them and their loss and their fear. Uh, let me just read a wee bit and then we'll move through this kind of quickly. Uh, John 11, 1 to 17. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent him away saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Martha time. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. What a killer. Literally. Literally, what a killer. What a killer. When Jesus heard that somebody was sick, he waited two more days. Go figure. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where Lazarus wasn't. Jesus' time. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? Disciple time. Jesus answered, there are, not, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Jesus time. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. Disciple time. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Jesus time. New antagonists. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Thomas time. Now, let me just mention about Thomas. I've long since never believed in that his name was ever Doubting Thomas and there should ever be Doubting Thomas. I, don't, I think Doubting Thomas is, is, is really disrespectful almost to Thomas for calling him Doubting Thomas. I think he was not Doubting Thomas. I believe he was different Thomas. And I'll tell you why I believe he was different Thomas. When Jesus, when, when, when Thomas, Thomas is desperate to believe some of you in this room who are still on your journey with God or if you're listening live stream, you might still be at this case where I'm desperate to believe, but 
there's things missing in my life or there's things that don't line up that's making me struggle to believe the way I would love to believe. And Thomas is this fish. Thomas is this guy. So Thomas says, let us go that we may die. There's one thing about Thomas is he's not frightened. Thomas is like, see if I die and Jesus raises me from the dead, I will certainly believe. So let me go that I'll die as well. There's one thing about Thomas, he's not frightened. As the, as the story unfolds here, and this is late on, this is the last miracle recorded about raising Lazarus from the dead. This is the last miracle recorded in the book of John where Jesus performs a miracle. Because after this, Jesus knows he's in trouble. Because healing people blindness and all this stuff is one thing, but when you run about a lot of religious people and you raise people for the dead, the writing's on the wall for you. And Jesus knew this. And when Jesus then died, rose again, and then he goes and visits the disciples. He visits the disciples and it says, the disciples were in the upper room praying. And they were hiding. So what it says. They were hiding. In the book of Acts, they were hiding. Uh, or sorry, in the end of the Gospels. They were hiding in the upper room. And they were hiding in the upper room because... They were frightened of being killed by the religious people. And then it just says, and Thomas wasn't there. That's all it says. And I'm thinking, I don't know where Thomas was. When I get to heaven, I might say, where were you that day? What were you up to that day? Where were you? Were you out buying a loaf of bread? I don't know where you were, but I'll tell you where he wasn't. He wasn't scared. Because he wasn't hiding. And then it says that Jesus come back to see Thomas. Just to see Thomas. Yeah. I mean, how awesome. If you've got trouble with believing and you've got doubts about your believing and you think differently yeah. and you perceive God differently, Jesus is okay with that. Yeah. He gets that. He gets that. He doesn't mind you, you're an individual. He doesn't mind you're no a doubter. You're different. Yeah. Right. Keep on calling people doubters when they're different. And Jesus came back and he touched, Thomas touched his hands, his nail-pierced hands, and he believed. And Jesus says, why do you doubt? No, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. Question, do you think Thomas was blessed? Yeah. You can't say he wasn't blessed. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who haven't seen yet believe, does not mean that Thomas isn't blessed. Yeah. Yeah. He's just using a metaphor for what blessed. No, so he taught, Thomas touches his hands and he Changes his life. Thomas wanted to go and get killed so he could get rose again for the dead. Very courageous to me. He's awesome. That's awesome. Thomas then's ministry went in a completely different direction. Thomas's ministry took him to places that the other disciples didn't go. The other disciples would have stayed and and, and run about the the Middle East and, and then went into Europe. Thomas went a completely different direction. Thomas went to India. Thomas went to India at a place called Kerala. Kerala and in, in India, there's a lot of different gods and a lot of different stuff on there. It would have been a hard place to go to, to preach the gospel because of their lack of belief and because of how they believed. Thomas went to a place called Kerala. At this moment in time, there'll be more now. They're roughly in the region of 30 million, 30 million Christians wow. in India. Wow. Yeah, 30 million. Okay. 10 million of those 30 million, it'll be more than that now, 10 million of those 30 million come from Kerala. 
was no doubting Thomas. He was different, Thomas. Yeah. Oh, give yourself a doing if you're struggling at times. I think sometimes we give people who are trying to figure out God and trying to figure out their faith and trying to figure out their salvation, sometimes we give them a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, maybe we just need to present the gospel a wee bit different to them. Yeah. Maybe just a wee bit. Maybe help. Uh, okay. Verse 17, so Jesus came and found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Jesus' time, four days. Deliberate four days. Even pagans believed that your soul would be alive after three days, four days you were gone. Jesus waited. The letter came. Lazarus a day dead. He waited two days. How amazing is it when you cry out for help to God and he's just like, imagine this. Imagine this. Picture this, right? You're praying this big loud, you're praying this big player and you're getting more gospel because you're Pentecostal. (laughs) And because you're Pentecostal and you're charismatic, you go intense with it, right? You go big. I'm going mental with my prayer. And Jesus is like this. Not a 48 hours yet. Jesus, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. <laughs> you know what? I, I know this might, and, and I know there are different contexts here, but I know we often teach that we can speed Jesus up. Some of these religious folk will struggle with that because they'll think they can. And in this, you think they can hurry them up. Yeah. Somehow. As if Jesus' our intensity makes him in a hurry. Yeah. I'm not going to hurry to me. Yeah. Tell Lazarus that. Yeah. Tell Lazarus that Jesus' time is perfect. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's dead. Yeah. This guy smoked. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Verse 32, I'll move on a bit. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary was an amazing prominent woman in the Bible. The reason being is is, uh, she was the one that sat at Jesus' feet. eh? Well, Well, Martha was serving. Sometimes we can be obsessed with Mary. Forget about Martha. Martha owned a house. Martha was, Martha was the, the servant while Mary was sitting and sometimes we can over, we overemphasize how important Mary is because she sat at Jesus' feet while Martha was serving. I think we need both. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, think, I think we need a Mary heart with a Martha, a, a Mary heart with a Martha spirit yeah. in church. Yeah. <laughs> no, because if we all get Mary's, nobody does anything. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, who's working the kids today? Nobody, we're all sitting at the feet of the Lord. You need both. Yeah. And, uh, but Mary was a prominent woman because all the Jewish people at the time, they were all comforting her, getting around about her because she was mourning. And then when she stood up to leave, because Martha came and seen her and says, look, and she actually, did, she says this, Jesus is looking for you. <laughs> he wasn't he? I believe what Martha said, what Martha said, and I'm, I'm not going into it. You, Martha went to meet Jesus and, and, and then... She goes back to Mary and says, the Lord's looking for you. He wasn't he? That's what I would have done. 
See if I was desperate for something, I would be like, ah, look, go and you cry to him. He seems to love you very much. And that's what she was, that's what he done. And Mary went and all the Jews came with him, and that's what we're up to. And it says, and some of them said, eh, no, then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary time. Verse 37, and some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Crowd time. The story goes on and eventually everybody's at the tomb. Martha, Mary, who was in deep mourning, the Owa, the disciples, including Thomas. A whole lot of Jewish people who were comforting Mary. And here they're all at the side of this grave. Jesus had been weeping and groaning and deeply moved. And the they're now coming to this one moment, all orchestrated by Jesus. Because your problem and his eyes is somebody else's solution. Your nightmare is somebody else's freedom. Your I cannot wait is somebody else's miracle about to happen. And at no point was Jesus swayed. Oh, when the people came, like Lazarus, your friend, is, is dying. And Jesus waited two more days. He just, he just won't seem to be hurried at times, eh? Yeah. We want to hurry him. Because yeah. we're desperate and we need something fixed and we're impatient. And, 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 and we've got pain and we need it fixed and we need it healed and we want it fixed now. And... And we get into yourself and we lose touch with other people. There's them who were praying for him to hurry up. They were new there. Yeah. Uh, there were them who were telling Jesus to slow down. They're new there. There are them who want him to stay away. They're there. The religious people, they're there. Mary's there, Martha's there, and everybody is now in the one place focusing on the same thing. Because Jesus would not be swayed. We're not saying that we shouldn't be praying. Listen, in the context of what I'm saying here. Uh, I mean, Lazarus, he's getting the raw deal here. Jesus is orchestrating all this thing over here for a multitude of people. Well, Lazarus is over here. Dead? Yeah. I mean, don't tell me God can't use you. Yeah. Use Lazarus and he was dead? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think God can use me. I'm not sure that God can use Lazarus. He's not even alive. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one dead. Yeah, Jesus is using him. To bring everybody. As I said at the start of the message in 2 Peter, where what God is timing and, 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 and how a thousand years is but a day and a day is about a thousand years and he's orchestrating it for everybody's redemption and for everybody's healing and for everybody's restoration. And if you've not got your breakthrough yet, it's, it's not because God doesn't love you. It's because he loves you and he loves everybody and he'll use you to heal other people as well. 
Exodus says in verse 41 to 45, and then I'm going to bring in this thought that I've been thinking about. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me because of the people who are standing by. I said this and, and God's, God's, Jesus is bringing a, 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 a he's, he's taking a crowd and he's sinking. I don't mean sinking as in sinking in the sea. S-Y, sinking. He's He's sinking. He's synchronizing the heart to the one place at the one time. And it, and it says this, and, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you heard me and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people standing by, I said this, Jesus, it says it's the shortest scripture in the, it's the shortest verse in the Bible where it says, and Jesus wept. And it says that he was groaning. He was, Jesus is in a mess here. Jesus is, Jesus is deeply, deeply moved by compassion. And everybody's now drawn into this same, this same moment in time. This moment in time. Now when he heard these things, he said, uh, standing by, I said this, that you may believe that he sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Now that wee chap, that wee tiny bit there, there's a whole message in that about death clothes and getting rid of the old and all that, but we're not going there. Uh, then many of the Jews, listen to this, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. Result. Huge result. Jesus time, everybody, in Jesus time, everybody beaten to the same thing now. Every single one is in the same world at the same time. Jesus time, Jesus world. God's timing is no perfect for you. God's timing is perfect for everybody. Everybody, not just you. Your delay is somebody's breakthrough. Your dying is somebody's resurrection. Your mourning is someone's rebirth. Your pain is another's healing. Yeah. I know. Try telling yourself that when you're hurting. Your broken heart is another's mended heart. Your crying and sorrow is another's crying with joy. Let me close with this. They're saying now that some studies are now saying, this is what they're at now, that, that due to identity fraud... Uh, and, and, and speed, meaning identity fraud, you know, that, you know you've got finger, you know, when you go to the airport, you've got a thumbprint or you've got a fingerprint because fingerprints are unique and yes, they are. Uh, and then the other one is now the retina in the eye that they've been doing for a while because that's very, the retina in the eye is very unique, but it's, but it's time consuming. And what a lot of people are saying now that the credit card companies are, are now pushing towards heartbeat. Because your heartbeat is totally unique. The beat of your heart is totally unique. And the way your heart, based on the size of your heart, the valves and all the messy stuff that goes with it, that no, that no, that no two heartbeat is the same. Every, your heartbeat is totally, totally unique. And as I started stumbling across this stuff, uh, about why they would go to heartbeats, uh, and heartbeat identification. Uh, 
because no heartbeats at the same time. However, however, as I was looking at this, I, I, I came across uh, some studies that they're doing now, which kind of ties in with this message, believe it or not. And, and it's a doctor's name in America. His name's Pavel Goldstein. I call him Pavel. Uh, Pav, to me. Goldie. And in the University of Colorado in Boulder, uh, his wife was pregnant. And this doctor, when his wife was pregnant, the doctor says, you want to come in? There were a few complications during the pregnancy. And he grabbed and held his wife's hand. And as he grabbed and held his wife's hand, it seemed that, that somehow her pain subsided. Now, he didn't know whether it was actual her pain subsided or, or she was just being comforted with the affection. Uh, but because he's a doctor, he started, and he was into all that stuff, because he, he sent me all that stuff. Uh, he decided when he's... Till, no there and then. Because those guys would just go, I've got a thing to do. Is everything okay there? Right, okay, the football's on, all right, I've got to go. Right. And, and what he says is after the baby was born and the, the wife came home, he, he decided, I'm going to go and study this. I want to study. And he started to study a postdoctoral in pain research. And what he discovered was as he started studying pain research, because he wanted to know, was it just comfort? Was it just comfort that my wife was getting? Or the death? Or was it what I suspected that pain was being alleviated? And uh, what he did is with him and loads of scientists, they, uh, you know that science is just catching up with Jesus? You didn't know that, didn't you? We, you didn't know that science is just cat, catching up. Yeah. yeah, It's not the other way about. <laughs> and, uh, and he and other people, including scientists, they started to study interpersonal synchronisation. Well, I think I'll study interpersonal synchronisation. <laughs> With 22 heterosexual couples, uh, to, and they made amazing discoveries. They discovered that when a couple sit together, who are in love, there is a, a psychological sinking even when they're not touching each other. Just entering the room and sitting across the room for each other, there was a, a psychological synchronisation in their mind as their minds started to sink together. Uh, but when, what they did is... <laughs> The 32 women, because they can handle pain better than men, as we know. <laughs> no, a man could never be pregnant. Seriously. We would die. We'd die of pain, you know. We would, we would just die. No. And uh, What they did is, with the 32 couples, they took the 32 women and they, they added pain and heat pain to their arm. Then what they did is, is when they added heat pain, then they, they demand sitting next to them across the room again, and they found that they, they stopped sinking. Hear me here. They found that the synchronization and the psychological sinking in their minds separated, and they were no longer sinking as a couple, or they were no longer sinking because the pain that the person was feeling was causing them to distance themselves from each other. Have a think about this. I know I'm going to land this thought in a minute. I hope it's as good as it went in. Right? Uh, 
So the, what happened is, is the pain that they were, the pain that they were feeling was now that the connection was left. Question, just as, an, just as a thought here, just, just hold that thought here, what I'm going to say. You ever feel more lonely when you're in pain? Okay, just heard that thought, right? So what they done is, because that made them separate, what they done is, they kept on applying the pain. They says, what we want you to do now is, when your wife feels the pain, we want you to hold her hand. Know the hand that was the pain, the hand that, the other hand or the other arm. <coughs> Not just did they psychologically align more? So did the heartbeats. The heartbeats started to line up. Psychologically they lined up, but the heartbeats started to line up as they started, as the man or the couple, as they started to feel what each other were feeling. Okay, hear me here. They started to feel what each other was feeling. Even more than that, this is the bit that blew, if this didn't blow your mind, wait to hear this. The more empathetic they were and the more compassion they had towards the pain, the more their heart lined up even better and the more the pain even subsided even more. So with the more compassion they had, the more empathy they had, oh, the more... The more the person was in sync with the other person's problem, another person's pain, another person's agony, another person's hurting, the more, the more the, the other person's pain was subsiding as they started to just walk to one beat. Okay. And in turn broke healing. They call this in studies and now they're now studying this now about the, the analgistic effect. An analgistic is taking a tablet to take away pain. And I, I'm, time's starting to go here, but let me just bring this in. How many people today, and I'm not wanting to be political, I'm no, I'm no wanting to judge you, MD here. How many people, you got a tablet for anything now? Yeah. Absolutely anything, you got a tablet for anything. Uh, anything you can get a tablet for. You can get a tablet for any level of pain. How many people do you think in this day and age are in pain and the real pain is loneliness and the lack of human touch and the lack of a person touching their life and the lack of love and the lack of compassion and the lack of somebody touching their life? Seriously? How many, how many, how many people are in a marriage or a relationship and they would just love their husband to touch them and love them but they don't? And they're in agony. They're absolute in agony. They're in pain. Because they've lost that touch. They've lost that love. They've lost that loving feeling. Where there's no that human touch. There's no that, there's no, there's no a touch for you. They're, they're no moved with compassion. And as I get thinking about this, I'm deeply challenged with my own life. Where I lack compassion in people. Where, I, where sometimes I struggle to feel what they feel because I'm not in the world that they're in. And I'm not in the problem that they're in. And, and I heard Paul Scanlon, who, who, my mentor and, and my hero in faith, who, who, who said that the older he gets, the less prophetic he becomes and the more priestly he becomes, which I loved. And what he was saying is, is that prophecy is God's using a man to speak to the crowd. 
And a priest is somebody speaking to God about the crowd. <laughs> and I wonder if how many more people would wouldn't he be in the pain or in the day or in the hurt or in the wounds or in the day if 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 we actually aligned our heart and actually started to touch people yeah. and actually started to touch people's lives and, and actually get into people's pain and into people's problem and into their dilemma and, and go beyond the judgment and go beyond your own time sink and go beyond your own thing and go beyond your own pain and go beyond your own dilemma and what you're not getting and this is no fair for me and when am I getting the love and when am I getting this and actually started to just go and touch somebody else's life what healing would actually start happening and, uh, and love and this is what they're now saying, these studies that they're saying, they're saying because of the money that's spent, because of the lack of results that's happening, they're discovering something that Jesus has been saying all along. Yeah. Love, is a, love is a healing effect in people. Yeah. Love is an amazing healing effect. Wow, scientists have discovered that. For flipsy, do you know what? <laughs> scientists have discovered that love has a healing effect on people's life. Whoa, scientists. Oh, go side. Do you know what, but do you know what I was thinking about that? I think in the church we forgot it as well. Yeah. Wow. As we've got on something else. Yeah. Love has an analgistic, analgistic. This girl in the second row is a pharmacist, and she, every time I mention medicines or stuff, she just stares at me. <laughs> as if to say, wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> might no might no medicine, but hey. Love is an analgistic effect. Love is a pain-killing device. People are being subscribed pain relief for almost anything now, when maybe someone could just be more loving to them. Get in their time frame. Sink your heart up to another human being's heart. It says in verse 33, and this is my closed phrase, do you want to come up? This is the first of three. As you know, it says in verse 33, Jesus groaned in his spirit and was troubled. You can see that Jesus is deeply, deeply moved here. It says again in verse 38, even worse so, he says that he was, it was intense and in some translations, it says that he was intense. Then Jesus again groaning in himself. He's, he's got this deep Deep-rooted connection with Lazarus in the crowd. And he keeps on drawing this crowd into the same thing. And all of a sudden, as the crowd gets drawn into this same thing, it's as if their hearts are beating at the same time. And I believe this, I do. I believe if all our hearts can start beating at the same time, I believe we'll see more healing in this world and more healing in our community and mere healing in people's lives uh, I really do everyone around them was groaning ask yourself this honestly and I, 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 I've been questioning myself and I'm like when I get annoyed or I'm restless or irritable or I'm discontent how it affects other people compared to when I move with compassion for people and I get into people's world and I feel their hurts and I feel their wounds and I feel their pain and, and I have compassion on them. It's amazing how it can bring healing to people's lives. Real deep healing to people's lives when you touch their lives. And I don't know about you, but 
I think the enemy is massively, massively trying to infiltrate the human touch and that compassion that we can have in people and that care that we can have and that love that we can have. I'm closing with this. Uh, I, I believe that the greatest miracles happen when we touch somebody's life. Yeah, it's because uh, we're beating to Jesus' heart. Yeah. We're knowing about Reiki here. Yeah. Knowing about self-healing. No, The problem with Reiki is, is the highest form of Reiki is you're in charge. Yeah. There lies the problem. The highest form of Reiki is, is you're in charge. Yeah. The highest form of Christianity is Jesus in charge. Yeah. The difference. The highest form of Reiki, the highest form of Reiki is you've got the power. Even though they'll say, oh, but people are... In the name of who? In the name of who? In the name of you? Uh, As I was closing this and bringing this in, and I'm going to mention it tonight in my short message. (laughs) If you look at scriptures, see the amount of times Jesus removed people in order to perform a miracle. It's amazing. Jesus was always removing people. When Jesus wanted to heal Jairus, his daughter, he says he, he cleared the room. Yeah. I believe he cleared the room is because there were people who were too sceptical. There were sceptics in the room. And I, don't, and I believe in order for miracles to happen, heartbeats need to line up together. Yeah. And see the thing is, see if, you start, see if you remove the naysayers and the doubters. Jesus went through the town, his, his own village, and says he could do no miracles here because of their unbelief. Because their heart couldn't line up to my heart. Jesus removed Jairus' daughter and he removed the crowd and he was left with only Jairus' he was he was just left with Jairus, his daughter, and a few of the disciples. And he raised her for the dead. I think their heart was sinking together, beaten to the beat of Jesus. When Jesus healed the Samaritan women, he sent the disciples away. He sent the disciples away into town. I believe he sent the disciples away into town because they were a serious issue with a Samaritan woman who had five husbands. There's no way the disciples would have been able to have their heart beaten and been able to have compassion and be moved with compassion to touch that person's life. So he removed them and he, he restored their life. Jesus often took blind men out and took them out of the town. So he would get a blind man and he would take him out of town. And he took him away from people. He took him away from the skeptics. No. And the pool of Bethesda. Hardly him to get healed. Nobody get healed. The reason nobody get healed is because they're all skeptics. Yeah. Nobody get healed. They weren't there for a healing. It was a place to hang out when you were no well. Yeah. Really? It's a place to go when you weren't well. It's a place to hang out. Nobody was getting healed there. It says when the water stirred. The guy was lame lying in the bed when the water gets stirred. Well, you know he's going to be the last guy to make it. Because it wasn't a place of healing. Jesus got him, took him aside. Took him away for the took him away for the the the, 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 the hearts that weren't sinking to his heart. Yeah. Took him away for the people who were not beaten to his heart. And I honestly believe this and, and, and I say this, the rest of the band come up. And I'll mention, I'll talk about this tonight and talk about. Scriptures where Jesus was healing by 
And the only time he really healed is when his heart was sinking. Jesus could heal somebody for 50 yards. We get that. His heart was always sinking to people. But greater things we will do. We need our heart to sink with people and be moved with compassion. Here's a take home. How much compassion do you have in people? How much do you really feel their pain and their hearts and their wounds? How much do you, how often do you go and touch somebody and say, you know what, I'm with you, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you, I'm standing with you in this problem? I believe the greatest miracles will happen when all hearts, just think what we could do if all hearts lined up together, beaten. Think of the power in that. When man, man, one man and one woman in love can grab each other's hand and their hearts and their minds can sink together and it alleviates pain. How much more when the Church of Jesus Christ come together singing for the same hymn sheet, praying, loving. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.